السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأفضل الصلاة وأتم تسليم على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أجمعين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علم الله Salatan wa salamun da'imayn bidawam makillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa ala Alhamdulillah nothing is more beautiful and more beneficial to the heart than to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be in gatherings where we turn our hearts towards Him and direct our hearts to Him and supplicate Him and implore Him and beseech Him subhanahu wa ta'ala for the good of this world and in the next. And these gatherings are gatherings that we should value very deeply and that we should honor in our hearts and to recognize that they have a sanctity. And everything that has a sanctity requires adab. And to the degree of the sanctity is that to the degree of the adab and the etiquette and the manners and the proprieties that one has to have in those very sanctified places and with sanctified people as well. Alhamdulillah, the Sunnah of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is comprehensive and touches upon every single aspect of the human affair. Comprehensive guidance for everything that we need in every possible situation. It's found in those blessed years that our Prophet ﷺ was gifted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after having received prophethood. And that lifespan of his, that blessed lifespan, is the one that our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala swore by in the Quran. And Allah ta'ala only swears by that which is great. And every single moment of the life of our Prophet ﷺ is a lesson. Every single interaction is a lesson. Everything that he said and what he didn't say is a lesson. Everything that he did and didn't do was a lesson and is a lesson or remain a lesson until Yom Al-Qiyamah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open up our minds and our hearts to receive the guidance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we should always remember that when it comes to the Quran, you have the oral transmission and the written transmission. And the oral transmission precedes the written transmission. And that meaning remains as well when it is that we are learning. And yes, you have formal learning institutions where you learn specific disciplines like the Arabic language, like fiqh, like aqidah, and other sciences as well. And that has its place and it's of the utmost importance and we must spend our lives learning. However, we should never forget as well if we never get the opportunity to be in that type of space, we never give up either. It doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity for us to learn. We're supposed to learn from every moment of life. We're supposed to learn from every situation that we find ourselves in. And this is why the greatest of teachers, i.e. those who nurture our souls and that remain by our side through thick and thin when we are doing what is right and when we make mistakes are those who have an ability to see the Adamic potential that lies in every single one of us and help pull us in the right direction.
And they teach us that every time that we fall short, we dust ourselves off and we keep moving forward. They teach us with the reality of their state, the great sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ, before they teach us with their words. They teach us through their mawaqif, the various stances that they take, before they teach us through books. And they of course always also teach us with their words and with their books. But the reason their teachings are so impactful upon us is because they are living those realities. And because they are connected to Rasulullah in a very, very real way. And that they have complete inayah and ayah. They have a complete concern and that from the Messenger of Allah وسلم, for them that stems to us through them by virtue of their connection we remain connected from the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and these are people that once you connect to them they will be the most loyal of people possible and the true meaning of loyalty will manifest Yom Qiyamah the true meaning of loyalty will manifest on Yom Al-Qiyamah. Who will be there for us on Yom Al-Qiyamah? Who is more loyal to his people, to his ummah, to those that believe in him and strive with all of the shortcomings to follow his blessed way, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, no one is more loyal than Rasulullah. No one is more concerned for us and for his people and for his ummah than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And this manifests in amazing ways as well in his great inheritors. And oh, how we're in need of the inheritors of our Prophet sallallahu alayhi We live in a time where we see right before our eyes so many manifestations of the inversions of reality. It gets very confusing. So many different things that people are exposed to from so many different religious people that confuses them. And people lose trust. And then problem after problem that they see happening, they wonder what it is that they can hold on to. But alhamdulillah, we still have this deen. And the true inheritors are still there. And the messenger of Allah is still there. Even though he's in the barzakh, on a regular basis, our salams are conveyed to him, وسلم, just as all of our acts are conveyed to him. This is not just something that has happened in the past. This is an ongoing process that the Prophet وسلم, has a special concern from his ummah, even right now as he is in the barzakh. In other words, the meanings of his words, subhanahu wa ta'ala, harisun alikum. He is concerned for you. Yes, there was a reality to that before you and I came into this world. But there's a reality to that right now. Just as there will be a reality to that when we die and we enter into the barzakh. Just as there will be a reality to that Yom Qiyamah. When we stand before our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just as there will be a reality to that blessed verse where Allah ta'ala is telling us something of the nature of our Prophet sallallahu There will be a reality of that until eternity. Abal al-abad that the Prophet ﷺ will still be concerned for us even after we enter into paradise. And one of the blessed aspects of the sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ, which is one of these great traits of futuwa, and we're going in order in this blessed book, but the more you study about futuwa, about spiritual shivery, 
the more that you realize why Imam Abu Abdurrahman al-Sulami defined it as he did. Where he said essentially it's the way of the prophets. Because it is a way to refer to so many different important traits that you and I are in absolute need of. That speak to us at the various stages of our life. Teaching us what it is that we need to know in order to do what it is that we need to do at every stage of our life. And we will fall short in this. But we must know that this exists. And that this is from the sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ. Just as we must strive to put it into practice. No matter how many times we fall short. Because it be, is the standard whereby which you and I can measure our own actions. And whether or not we've done what it is that we should be doing. So he says this next great trait is what? وَمِنَ الْفُتُوَّةِ إِحْتِمَالُ الْأَذَافِ اللَّهِ بَعْدِ الْمَعْرِفَةِ بِهِ It is from futuwa to bear hardship for the sake of Allah after knowing Him. It is from futuwa to bear hardship. Adha literally is, har is, is harm. For the sake of Allah after knowing Him. So the caveat here is, that as someone gets closer and closer to Allah, when someone takes the spiritual path seriously, you know that you're going to experience harm in many different ways. It could be tribulations that come on the hands of people, just as it could be tribulations that don't come on the hands of people. You will experience adha. But specifically here, this type of adha relates to adha, Harm that comes to us from people. And in the verses in Surah Al-Ahzab, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He sent our Prophet وسلم, as a witness and as a giver of glad tidings and a warner and a caller to Allah through His position, through His permission and a radiant lamp. And then how is the Prophet commanded to be with the believers? وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Give glad tidings to the believers. That they will have great bounty from Allah. But then how does the Prophet ﷺ, how is he commanded to deal with the kafirin and the munafiqeen, the disbelievers and the hypocrites? It's different. This should strengthen our iman. Do not obey the disbelievers or the hypocrites. The same word here is used. Ignore the harm they cause you. Overlook their annoyances. The trouble that comes your way vis-a-vis -vis those people. The hardship that you have to go through because of them. Bear it. Neglect, overlook it. That Ignore it. This is what our Allah commands our Prophet And it comes right after those verses where Allah Ta'ala is telling that He's been sent again as a witness, a giver of glad tidings and a warner and a caller to Allah. So if everybody in general as we experience life will experience difficulty that comes our way on the hands of people, especially people that are trying to live for the sake of Allah, especially people that are taking the path seriously, especially people that want to do something for the sake of Allah wa 
in this is not something that is easy. Because the word here is ihtimal, bearing hardship. And one of the ways that you could understand this, and I remember being on the back of a pickup truck in Mauritania as a young man. And this pickup truck, it had everybody's luggage in the back. And then it had a net tied over it, so it was wrapped around the bed. And then it had about 15 or 20 people on top, like a, a bed of a truck, about 15 or 20 people. And it's like, hold on for dear life. Because they're not like driving slowly, like, oh, there's people in the back, there was women, there was children, literally like 15 or 20 people and a few people in front. And like, my hands aren't as strong as the Mauritanian hands. So you're holding on to this rope and your hands are getting red. You're starting to get blisters. They're racing through the desert. There's no roads. They're racing through the desert and you are holding on for dear life, especially if you're near the edge. And yeah, they'll probably come back and pick you up if you fall off, but they'll expect you to get right back on. And you're not going to hold up the whole group because you have blisters. And it just clicked for me in that moment. Oh, that's what tahammal or ihtimal is. Where it's like you're holding on and you can't do anything but hold on. But you got to keep going. And even if you have blisters, even if your hands are raw, what's the option? To let go and fall off? You don't have any other option except to hold on. Or imagine that another meaning of this. I remember traveling back and forth to the Muslim world. And depending upon how many kids we had at the time, each child gets two suitcases, right? So finally when we had three, I remember traveling with ten suitcases. Ten suitcases. Each one gets a carry-on too. So you try to get as much stuff as you can when you go back to the Muslim world. So you have ten suitcases and five carry-ons. And of course, someone's got to carry the kids. They're young. And who's going to carry all the luggage? And imagine ten things that you're trying to push carts and then you have other roll-on bags when you're trying to bring books one way and direction or another anyhow and you're just frustrated, you're hot, all of these things happening but you got to keep going. That's tahammal. Teaching ourselves in those moments where still we have good character. We bear all of that, we keep treading the path and we still have good character. And we don't lash out. We don't lose our temper. We don't lose our cool. We remain measured. And we keep that doing what it is that we need to be doing. This is the way of Rasulullah in one of the beautiful stories that's mentioned in Bukhari Muslim about this. The Prophet ﷺ was just standing there and this Arabi, this desert Arab comes and pulls his cloak to the point where it makes his neck the blessed neck of Rasulullah nafsi fidat red. And what does he say to him? Ya Muhammad. Just calls him by his first name. This is Rasulullah. Allah doesn't even call him. And when he addresses him in the Quran by his first name, Allah calls him by other names to honor him. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he just says, Ya Muhammad. And what does he then say to him? Murli min andak. Give me from the wealth that Allah gave you. So the Prophet turns to him and dahak. He smiles, sallallahu alayhi And then he told someone to give him something. That was how he responded. And 
in battle. They're trying to get Rasulullah to make dua against them. They're fighting them in battle. Allahum ihdi qawmi. Oh Allah, guide my people. We've all heard that before. We've all heard that before. But really think about that. In battle, they're trying to take your life. And the Prophet still says they're his people. Then what about the people that are living about around us? What about our neighbors? What about those that are living in the society in which we live? How should we be? What is the prophetic character that we have to have? And I fall short in this more than anyone. But we still have to remind ourselves. And we still have to realize there's an objective criterion where we have to gauge our actions accordingly. And if we make a mistake, we have to admit that we made a mistake. And if we have mahabba and tawadr, and this is what came to my mind, if we have mahabba, if we love Allah and His Messenger, and we're humble, and one of the manifestations of humility is that we can admit when we've fallen short in following the teachings of our teachers. Then we can roll up our sleeves to do something about it. And this is why one of them said, that in order to really follow this way of ours, the great Imam, Imam Hatim al-Sam, and why was he given the name Hatim al-Sam, the one who's deaf, is because there was one time where he went to that speak to a, someone from the opposite gender, and Akramakumullah accidentally, she, there's no way to say this other than to say that as a story, she passed gas, and she was so terribly embarrassed he acted like he was deaf. And she called his name out. He said, huh? And she called his name He said, huh? And he acted like he was deaf. Until she finally called down. And then every time he would come near, he acted like he was deaf. So he became to be known as Hatamel. Some people actually thought he was deaf. Because he was that concerned about the heart of that woman. But he's the one who then said, Man arada tariqana, whoever wants our path, let him get himself used to dying in four ways. And then he gives them names. He says, the motu abyad, the white death, which is hunger. Motu ahmar, the red death, which is mujahadat nafs, struggling against yourself. Wa motu akhdar, the green death, which is ila baad, wearing shabby clothing such you have patches on top of each other. Patches on top of patches. Well, motu, and then motu aswad. And the black death. Which is. Teaching ourselves to bear difficulty. That comes our way from people. This is how these people before us were. And I will close with one blessed story. Of Imam al-Waisi To inspire us. Inspire us. To at least try to be like them. To the extent possible. Uwais al-Qarni, he was so rejected in his society that young people, boys, would throw rocks at him. And so, he, instead of him getting upset at them, what did he say? He says, if you have to throw rocks at me, just throw small pebbles so that my ankles and my feet don't become bloodied and then I'm prevented from praying. If you have to throw rocks at me, just throw pebbles so that I don't get bloodied and then it prevents me from praying. This is the way these people were. And even if we can't be like them, at least we should strive to be like them. And this 
generation after generation, this is how these people were. And in fact, I'm just going to mention one more story. Habib Umar ibn Abdurrahman al Abbas, he was that going through that an alley, and someone threw out ashes from the house. They threw out ashes, and the ashes, keep in mind, he's going through the alley, and the ashes fall on him. And it starts to burn his clothing, and he that flicks the ashes off, he gets down from his riding beast, and he performs the sujood al shukr. He performs the prostration of gratitude. La ilaha illallah. You just had ashes. Someone should have, they should have looked outside. And then he said after that, that a body that deserves to be thrown in the fire, and that this is all that I've been given as a punishment, he says that I'll take that. This body, he, this is what he witnessed himself. This is how he witnessed himself. And so he saw that as a blessing because he's actually felt that he deserved much more. And this is Habib Umar bin Abdurrahman al-Tas, who when Imam al-Haddad visited him, he said, describe him for him. He said, Qalb wa Rabb. That individual, his reality, a heart and the presence of Allah. Bas. Almost as if there is no humanity. May Allah Ta'ala bless us to live these realities. To believe in them, know they exist, to understand them and strive to put them into practice where you and I have an ability that despite the fact that we experience difficulty on the hands of other people, whether they are a spouse or whether they are a family member or a neighbor or a community member or someone living with us in these lands, where in a very real way we have the ability to bear that and to still swallow them up into that pour out upon them the very best of character, resembling the Prophet ﷺ, that in this way, and resembling our teachers in this way, may Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa alayhi wa sallam, wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa alayhi wa sallam.